Welcome to the Dapper Don Podcast. It's your boy Dapper Don Dez. And man, you know, the police dedicate $3.6 billion annually enforcing possession and law and making it making about 820,000 arrests per year, according to Insider.com. Now, that makes the hundreds of thousands Rollo was counting look like chump change. Which brings me to the fact if how many Southern rappers are finding themselves pulled between the streets and getting pulled into the music industry. So many come from cities where there's not necessarily a place where they can actually have a lot of eyes on them so they feel like they have to trap till they make it or use trap to bring attention to them. And with what we just saw in the Capitol, it has to ask, make you ask, what is a crime? So my question is, is the South moving too slow when it comes to legalization? And the simple and obvious answer is yes. First, we look at Rollo, one of the millions who was locked up for selling weed, which is now legal. Then we look at other places such as Jay-Z, who has his new company, uh, new weed company, Monogram. We're going to look at Snoop Dogg's Leaf Company. And, uh, and, and we also got to, I don't want to beat you in the head with it, but we got to talk about what we saw happening in the Capitol. And, and just how this affects all of us. And just some interesting questions that naturally came to my mind when I seen it. So, man, you know, strap up. If you are new here, please subscribe to the podcast. Hit that like button. Leave a comment on what you think. Do you think that the South is moving, is stuck in the times when it comes to legalizing marijuana? Or how do you feel about just, you know, uh, uh, rappers getting locked up for these drug charges in general? Do you think, hey, you got to hustle till you make it or should they just stay patient and stay and give it all to the grind? When I say the grind, I mean this artistry, that craft. <coughs> so, you know, like I said, and also make sure to share with your friends if you find this to be helpful and you think it's something that they would enjoy, too, man. Uh, We're going to do this every Monday, like always. So until then, let's get into it, man. So. Rollo, Rollo faces weed charges. So many Southern rappers who play a dangerous game of fame and street crime. Rollo, just to give you some background on who he is, because the reason why I'm speaking on Rollo and speaking on this whole uh, uh, totality is because of Rollo, who was arrested for uh, selling or being in possession in a private plane for over 444 pounds of marijuana. Mind you, Juice World, the uh, Chicago artist, not last year, but the year before last, died taking uh, overdosing on some pills just before federal agents raided his private jet where he had 70 pounds of marijuana. And this is an interesting dynamic when you see between these two artists, when you see not between these two artists, but just within artists in general. If you're flying out to California where they got these pounds of weed for cheap, I mean, barely, you paying next to nothing. And they're kind of pushing artists, and I mean, they're kind of on a, uh, selling so much weed by the pound. Now anybody can go find a plug. You can go to any dispensary. And not only that, but you can get a certain kind of grade of marijuana, a certain kind of purity in the marijuana that your local dealer just can't keep up with. It's no secret that if you were smoking the best weed, you were smoking Cali weed. So when you see uh, Juice World get caught up in these drug charges, you see Casanova, they just released why they not going to give Casanova a bond. They said, no, he done sold hella weed and a lot of guns for the Gorilla Stone Nation. But as I, as you know, this is a Southern Hip Hop podcast, so we're going to talk about a Southern rapper, Rollo, who was signed to Gucci Man's 1017 
And man, I actually wasn't on Rollo before he got locked up. This is another one. Like I didn't get in. I didn't really get on the Tory Lanes when Tory Lanes got his drama. Uh, until he caught his drama with Meg, and it's the same thing with Rollo. I wasn't really listening to him before this thing happened, but I had to hear him out, dog. He actually talking about something. That's the funny thing, bro. He was 23 with plenty sense. With plenty sense. Just the way he thought, just the way like his brain worked. But uh, he he had an a, a album series called Fame American Gangster. For American Gangster, excuse me. Which is a combination of fame and American. And uh, in a fame American gangster is a play on American gangster. Not only the movie, not only a TV series about the drug lords, scammers, and just anybody else you can name, but also a movie starring Denzel Washington about Frank Lucas, the biopic of Frank Lucas. So, you know, Rollo dropped fame American gangster, which he spoke candidly about his drug empire with lines such as, and I quote, Say, I'm Frank Lucas. I'm through with rapping. My dope is better than Blue Magic. You better go ask about Rollo, bit. I promise they'll tell you I'm about that ish. That's him comparing himself to Frank Lucas. Here's the funny thing about comparing himself to Frank Lucas. And I think where he got fame, American Gangster, right? Because if you look at fame was Frank Lucas's downfall. Frank Lucas was a genius as far as it came to uh to smuggling when it came to hustling when it came to selling when it came to marketing his product he had all the intelligence but the thing once he got on top he wanted it like how bumpy johnson had it he wanted it how so many other drug lords had it he didn't want to play the back according to him not according to bumpy johnson's wife but according to him uh he was bumpy johnson's driver and his shooter and uh, his wife came out and said that he didn't that he never did none of that with Bumpy. And before, I didn't know how much of a significant role his wife, Bumpy Johnson's wife, played in his empire until I seen uh, uh, Godfathers of Harlem. If you ain't seen Godfather of Harlem, you was missing out. That is one of the best shows I've seen, but I digress. But if you haven't seen it, you need to go see it. But Frank Lucas got busted because if you watch the movie, he was at an exclusive boxing match and he sat in front of the white mobsters with a fur coat on. He was a black man and sat right in front of the white mobsters in 1960-something. This might have been the 60s or the 50s. I want to say the 60s. This was a time when a black man wouldn't even... <laughs> was just started stopped walking through the back door was still walking through the back door didn't even start it was still walking through the back door how's he sitting in front of the mob that naturally man sometimes it's messed up but the way we get busted like the, the way white people get busted somebody overdose where we get busted it's too much prosperity around here hold up hold up it's too many you know people look like they get money it's too many families eating something going on over here and I'm going to figure out what's going on. Something happening. I'm not stupid. Once somebody in here getting money, and it's got to be dope money. It's too many brothers from the streets getting money. But anyway, that's what he said. He said, I'm Frank Lucas. I'm through it rapping. He's pretty good, too. He also had a line where he said, people making fun of his voice. My dope is dope in Blue Magic. Now, he was arrested for selling weed, and Blue Magic is heroin. But I guess he's saying in comparison, like, Blue Magic was known for being a raw drug, and he's saying that he got, even though he might be, you know, selling other stuff, but he got caught with the weed. I guess he was sloppy with the weed. 
He, I guess he felt like, well, it's we. I may do 10. Nah, that's still a kingpin charge, though. But uh, he says, uh, he, he had another line. Tell him I'm the realest. No one to the bluff. No one to the bluff. The bluff being the neighborhood he from. I'm the real Tony Montana. Tell the kids that I'm Santa. I'm, I don't gamble. I lose my money. I'll come back with a hammer. He let you know he played for keeps. He wasn't one with the games. He said, I don't gamble. I'll come back with the hammer. So whether this dice head crack or this dice or I crap out or whatever, this money coming back with me. That's grimy. <laughs> Boy, that, he's talking grimy on these records, but he definitely did seem like a, a cool guy outside of just how he was running it on the records. But he loved to taunt the authorities, though. And uh, he, he, he loved to taunt authorities. And he seemed like he had a need to keep up with established artists. Like, he's signed to Gucci Man, and Gucci Man has some riff, some emotional beef with uh, some some kind of uh, emotional disagreement with Yo Gotti. Him and Yo Gotti had a falling out when Gucci was in a real dark space, and, you know, Yo Gotti's still standing on it. He's not finna just let that go. And Gucci's like, well, it's whatever. It is what it is with him. So, anyway, uh, like I said... Rollo signed the Gucci Man, and why? And Yo Gotti has an artist named Black Youngster. Black Youngster, uh, and, and Rollo apparently had some kind of beef or some kind of clashing. And Rollo was taunting Black Youngster by saying stuff like, uh, "I think he said, well, what, what he told Black Youngster said, man, why you didn't tell me the convertible Lamborghini cost thirty thousand more than what you driving? Oh, cause you wouldn't know." I'm like, that boy, that boy, they a mess. But this was his way of keeping up with it. Even Future was like, he's living better than most artists getting $30,000 a show. And he wanted to show you that, man. He wanted to show you he was getting money. He had an incident where he was throwing $30,000. Hit me out, G. He was throwing $30,000 at the homeless. He was making it rain on the homeless like, like they were strippers. And... On one end, I guess he says he was giving back. He was doing for people. You know, he was showing love. And and he was. He said he was in a nightclub. He seen how much money people was wasting in a nightclub. He didn't want to waste it in a nightclub. He said he wanted for people who were in, you know, in desperate situations to have it. And he was throwing the money, which he says he challenged more rappers to do, even though many found it to be tasteless. And if you see the video, it was very tasteless. So basically, he went in, he was just throwing up money, and it's socially incongruent. And what social incongruency means, like, let's say, uh, uh, well, what's something that it would be socially incongruent? Laughing at a funeral. Laughing at a funeral is socially incongruent. It doesn't make sense with the social setting. If you're throwing money up in a strip club and you dancing and you just throwing it up, bow, bow. Wow, you having fun. It's good. It makes sense because the music jumping, the girls is beautiful. It all makes sense. When you're doing that in the middle of the day with no music playing and a bunch of homeless people around, it's degrading to the homeless. It makes you look like a nut. And you're not also thinking about something more important. You videotaped yourself throwing $30,000 at the homeless. You've endangered those homeless people. First and foremost, let's talk about that. They're already homeless. They're getting stampeded on. 
many of them were, were elderly or they just were sickly. Because um, let's be real, it's not like, you know, a lot of homeless people live the vegan lifestyle. You know, they're not very healthy. Those people could have easily had been stampeded on. They could have been robbed for their money or people what people perceived they would have had. It was like, oh, he threw... He threw $30,000. I know you at least got 1500 of it or, you know, blah, blah, blah. You don't know how that could have happened. Another thing is they homeless people, bro. They're going to spend that money on drugs. They're going to spend that money on, on, on drinking and drugging. See, me and you, if we get $1,500 in our pocket, we get $2,000 in our pocket, it becomes rationed out, right? And it fits our lifestyle. At worst, you might go splurging with the money, but... More than likely, you're going to put yours on bills. You're going to put that money to, like, like I said, you're going to put it to bills. You're going to put it to the lights, to the rent, to paying, you know, buying food, clothes, whatever it is. Things that you call essentials, things you need and you want. Furniture, whatever. These people are homeless. They only have one gear. And they fall deeply into, they are slaves to their passion. Not to their passion, to their pleasure. So if his vice is coke. That boy gonna cop some perico that's gonna have his nose bleeding for a month. And you're gonna, I guarantee you, some of them dudes that he threw that money at had to overdose. They had to be robbed. They had to be mugged for that money. They don't have anywhere safe to sleep. So it's not like they got somewhere to hide it at. Anybody who recognizes him from that video is more likely to harass him. And more importantly, you degraded him. You degraded him. Like if a girl is in a strip club and she's dancing for dollars, She's made that agreement. She likes that. That's something she, you and her signed up for. That's your fetish. That's the two of you fetish. What, what you did was just simply degrading. Those people didn't sign up for that. They, they really didn't. But uh, not only did he do that, not only was he making stuff like that, which in his mind was giving back. So I'm, I'm going to cut him some slack. Uh, I'm going to cut him some degree of slack. But he also had on the... He had this skit, right? And I guess just to show that he ain't one of these rappers that just be out here rapping and talking about it. Like, he's one of the ones. He's a real one. He's really, really real one. He had uh, what sound like some cops on the video talking to, I assume, what is him. I assume what is him on there. And they were saying, and I quote, the cop says to him, they said that the two of you guys that were wearing security shirts were walking around with rifles on and walking around back here. I'm assuming back here is like some, you know, some nightclub, some stage or something. I don't, I instantly, I thought of an outside event because how do you get inside of an venue with a rifle? And who are you trying to rifle down? But anyway, I digress. They say you're walking around with rifles on and walking around back here. I want to give you guys the perfect opportunity to leave because you've been asked to leave. With, now this is this gotta be in Georgia. This has gotta be in Georgia, cause you can't go up in New York and do that. You can't go to L.A. and do this. So his he is from Atlanta, Georgia. So that makes sense. He's from the west end of Atlanta. So, you know, I I know Georgia got some loose gun laws. He got some super loose gun laws. So, uh, anyway, what he said, uh, because you've been asked to leave, I don't want to press it any further. Okay. So we're going to give you the opportunity now just to go ahead and bounce, all right? Go ahead and bounce. Whoever this police officer was, he done learned how to talk to the street dudes in that area. He was he was in the squad car with his partner saying, now listen, you got to talk their language. You don't tell them, God, he said, go ahead and bounce, all right? He probably, all right. <laughs> no, 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 don't say all right. You say, all right. 
You talk their language, you talk their language, you make it home. None of that Ferguson stuff. You Because they got guns like we got guns. <laughs> they got guns like we got guns. We're going to talk to them. We're going to talk to them like this. We all make it home. That's the key. But anyway, I guess that was uh, that was Rollo showing. But Rollo was showing that he ain't one of these rapper dudes. Like, he really out here with sticks. He really letting them know he can get close to him. I guess this kid was supposed to be saying, like, he had beef with a dude. I'm, let's just say Yo Gotti or whatever. And he was backstage with them hammers. He was saying he going to slide through and shoot it up. He going to spread it up, man. But, uh... He said he felt the interesting thing, though, even with all of this, with him doing this on a mixtape, this is something he mass produced to a, a record label. So this was mass media. He did this on. He wasn't hiding it and doing this on his Instagram. He had an Instagram of a police officer pulling him over. He's saying, y'all don't make 40,000 a year. You might as well come work for me I'm like this boy. Wow. This boy. Wow. He, he really got his head in the lion's mouth. But. He felt that the police was targeting him because he was Muslim, despite the fact he called his trap Little Pakistan. He felt he, he this was Islamophobia, even though he called his trap Little Pakistan. Now you're probably thinking, all right, well that's just you know, talk around town. He called it Little Pakistan, whatever. This is where they found the hundreds of pounds of weed at, and cars that were highlighted yellow. He had several cars that were highlighted yellow, like he was just begging to get busted. But listen, he even had a song he released with Lil Baby. He has double platinum Lil Baby called Lil Cali in Pakistan. Now, when I told you, when you think Cali, you think good weed. When you think Pakistan, you think killer Muslims. He still decided to release an album while locked up called Lil Cali in Pakistan. Here's how the lyrics go. If you was wondering how the song went, Sold a hundred packs last week. Hey, have you ever spun a million dollars? In word, you ain't even got to ask me. <laughs> you ain't even got to ask me if I done spun a million dollars, huh? You done blew that. You done blew that, huh, Rollo? I'm going to see what that feel like one of these days, dog. Lil Baby turn around and rap. We in Lil Cali in Pakistan. I just read up with 500 bands. Make a soft in word, do the running man. You ain't the boss, you a runner, man. So, you know, that's little baby talking that talk. But it's funny he would say re-up with 100 bands because Rollo was sent to jail for trafficking 444 pounds of weed, which comes up to about a million dollars in drugs. Enough for the kingpin charge, dog. Enough for him to hit you with the woo. Like, woo, that's a lot of time. <laughs> Boy, I ain't laughing at you. I'm laughing with you because you got to laugh and keep from crying when they tell you, boy, you face a haunted years. Uh, Rollo was getting arrested for drug trafficking, I believe gun charges, where he had too many highlighter yellow cars parked outside the trap that he was just asking to get caught. This was outside of little Pakistan. You know, Rollo's uh, late last year, this would have been Thanksgiving, uh, posted on Thanksgiving saying he spent the last three Thanksgivings in jail and how he misses his mother and the streets. And, you know, it's your typical, it's your typical, hey, you know, youngin, don't go down this route. And here's the thing, he's 25, dog. He's young. He's 20. The only thing I brought that up to you, he's 25. He's a kid. He's been in there two years. He went in at 23. Like, he was barely a college graduate. It was more money than he knew what to do with. And he had all of these songs 
He had all of these songs where he was talking about having thousands of different women and whatnot. And mind you, he was like really heavy in the Muslim religion. But he was talking about having all of these thousands of different women and, and, and this, that, and the third. He even had a DJ Vlad interview, which I thought was hilarious. He said he don't like having sex with uh with industry girls because they don't they don't have sex as good as ugly and fat girls. He said because you know an ugly girl gonna try to make up her ugliness, or a fat girl gonna try to go a little harder knowing that she a fat girl. And I was like, this is the most insecure thing I think I've ever heard a superstar say. Well, a star, he's a star. It, it was crazy. I wouldn't expect him to say that. I would have never said that out loud. But you know what? It ain't like he lying, though. It ain't like he lying, either, though. Come on, sometimes you done had a six that knocked your socks off. Like, let's be real. You had a, a, a six over here who was a guaranteed, you know, takedown. You might have had, like, a nine or ten that you just so happened to, you know, finesse and progress with. And she talking about the nine, talking about, nah, nah, you know, take me out the Red Lobster, but the six finna go. Like, you know the six is saying, yo, just come pick me up. Come on, let, let's be real, fellas. It's just me. It's just me and you here. You're going to pick up that six. And you might hit up that nine later on like, man, I got busy. <laughs> I got busy. I was doing stuff, bro. I was, things came up. Anyway, this is nothing to do with Rollo's drug charge. But what it does have to do with is the fact that Rollo fought to get a bail and eventually even got one for a quarter million dollars. All that money he showed up, he, for whatever reason, didn't get bonded out. And uh, and, and that was found out because he was still actively involved in his drug organization, dog. He was still involved in the streets. He was still involved in the beef. And uh, like I said, he talks about having all of those women in his life. Uh, I'm hit something different every night with a big girl, the ugly girl, the pretty girl. Ain't none of them show up. The only one there is the wifey. And wifey, because Rollo had a line, and I skipped saying this. Rollo had a line. He said, I don't talk on the phone. And this is one thing that I'm going to say, genius, that a lot of people are probably laughing at them right now about, but I say it's a smart thing. They found a handwritten letter in his wife's purse. In his wife's purse, decoding exactly how she should speak in code when selling drugs. That when they do talk on the phone with each other, because he's working on the phone, he's using the phone to keep hustling. He was even They even found an Apple Watch, you know? Yeah, they found... Uh, 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 Apple Watch in, in his cell, which either he was using that to monitor the heart rate of his cellmate so he know they don't have COVID-19, or he was using that to still run his drug operation. He could do both. And I'm like, well, he is a weed dealer. That's kind of an essential worker. It, it really is. It's really an essential worker. They did not shut down the dispensaries when we did the quarantine, when we did the lockdown, and they won't do it again either. They're not going to lock it down again. Because it's big money in it. I'm going to get into how much money's in it in, uh, in a second here. But, uh, yeah, he was he had an Apple Watch in his in his cell. He had an Apple Watch. And uh, he was using his kid's name as code. Now, I bet Child Services was happy when they found out uh, his wife was like, oh, we got to get rid of Jessica. She moving slow. <laughs> I bet they was glad they found out that was just drugs. They was like, whew, those only kilos? Okay, okay. Thought they was talking about the kid. Kicking the kid out because she moving slow. Um, 
But yeah, only the wifey is that. But the reason I applaud them for writing it down is because everybody seems to think because you put it in your phone, you got a lock on your phone that is safe. Like it's in some impenetrable safe. They can get into your phone without a password. It don't take nothing at all. Your internet provider can get in your phone without a password. A hacker can get anybody. It doesn't take nothing to get past that password. That's more of a difficult thing for you than them. You ever notice you can reset your password? That means somebody has to have the power to open up your account and reset it. Come on, dog. Stop putting on your phone. They got YNW Melly like that. They got Cast like they got Casanova like that. At least, at least they were smart with it. Because you can dispute a handwritten note. A handwritten note don't really mean nothing. You, you just got a handwritten note. Who's who's to say that? I don't know. I don't know whose that is. It's yours. It's yours, not mine. But I also wanted to talk. If I'm going to give you the good, I got to give you the bad. If I'm going to give you the bad, I got to give you the good. And there's brothers out here who is really taking this thing to the next level, man. Who is seeing the money, such as Rollo, who sees that there's customers in this, there's money in this, and that they're thinking in the long in the long run and not the short run. All right? He ain't trying to trap it. He's trying to wrap it. He's trying to wrap this thing up and get this money, man. Let's wrap up these $100,000. That's what he's trying to do. Let's wrap up this business deal. Let's wrap up a hundred-something million because I'm going to run it to you about Jay-Z's new company, Monogram. That's right. Jay-Z back in the drug game, baby. You think them 92 bricks stopped him? Never. 89 pulling bins up? That's nothing now. He finna take it to the next level. And it's funny because the dude he co-founded uh, Rockefeller with, he did five years for illegally selling marijuana after Rockefeller broke up. He went right back to the streets. One time for Big Burks. But Jay said, no, nah, I'm going to do it a little different, man. I'm, I'm going to do it with my own thing. So, look, he launched a cannabis line called Monogram Friday. I believe it was Friday. Maybe it was last Friday by now. It's a partnership with California cannabis company Calvana. I hope I'm saying that. Calivana. Calvana or something. Uh, Calvaya? Whatever. Although it is his first official line of cannabis with Calvana. Whatever. Jay-Z joins the company in 2019 as his chief brand uh, uh, strategist. Now, if you're going to talk about a brand strategist, you got Jigga Man. You got the man. You got the one with the plan. That, that's your best bet. If you're going to do some chief strategist stuff, nobody's more chief strategist than a big homie. And here's what he had to say. I created Monogram to give cannabis the respect it deserves by showcasing tremendous hard work, time, care that goes into creating a superior smoke monogram products are next level when it comes to quality and consistency and we're just getting started oh but imagine how he used to sell crack to him like nah this is the best hardest consistency you have seen in the block you can go anywhere best style queens you won't find anywhere like what we're selling here on in marcy boy he was selling these fiends look look he, he done sold me I created Monogram to give cannabis the respect it deserves. This crack was slowly simmered into a pot. Gingerly sprinkled some baking soda all over it. Look, that brother been selling. Huh, this, this is a walk in the park for him. He gonna make another billion. If Hove make a billion off drugs, he a, he a goat. He the goat. He the, he the goat of goats. He a goat over, he, he over Big Meech. He make a billion with this Monogram. 
If by the time he's 70, he make a billion off monogram, he taught Big Meech, Biggie, Big Daddy, <laughs> Kane. He done talked every, he done topped every big that was the top. Oh, man. But uh, he ain't the only one. He ain't the only one coming for the cheddar, going for the cheese, because Snoop D-O-double-G, he got a one called Leash by Snoop. Now, Snoop, it's apparently, allegedly a failing company, but I want to explain to you why. So Snoop is distributing his uh his marijuana in can in uh in Canada. Apparently Canada has some recreational market. Well, Canada as Canada does is extremely strict from their jails to the way they sell tobacco and even when it comes to marijuana, they're very cautious of who they let endorse their marijuana. So the company that he currently has and I'm going to get into exactly who they are. I'm going to tell you about it in a second here. But the company he currently has is already under lawsuit because it's Leafs by Snoop. And the Leaf looks like the Toronto Leaf for the Maple Leafs. I believe that's the hockey team. So, yeah, by 2019, the hockey team came out and said, yeah, 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 we, we suing them. We suing his company. We not, we not vibing with none of that stuff he's talking about. So, but anyway, Snoop's found a, uh, he's got some friends in some high places. So let me run and tell you what a guy named Linton said. I believe this is the CEO of Canopy Growth. That's the company that endorses his company. But uh, let me read it to you. He said Snoop is going to be a visible celebrity who is probably going to directly, who's going to be directly connected to us forever. He told Lyft Limpton. He told Lyft and Company. Snoop Dogg holds, which Snoop Dogg holds equity in Tweed. That's the company that distributes his company. Now, mind you, not only does Snoop own stock in Tweed, here's just a little side note. He also, you remember the Connor, not the Connor, the, uh, the Logan Paul and Nate Robinson, Mike Tyson, Roy Jones bout? That was through Thriller. He owned equity in Thriller, too. Snoop, man, Snoop got under... Master P and he has learned business and he has learned how to use his face and how to I don't know what how much money he's making off of it, but Snoop getting cake, he's getting money and it's looking like it's looking good for him. So not only does Snoop hold equity in Tweed, whose parent company is Canopy Growth, recently becomes and Canopy Growth recently became the first pot producer to be listed on the New York Stock Exchange. So you know, he's ahead of the curve. He was in 2015. Jigga Man just did this. This was in 2015. You know, Snoop being involved in it. And I think he was, Willie Nelson also has one. That's the Willie Nelson Remedy and the Willie Nelson Reserve. So, Willie Nelson, I bet Willie Nelson making a killing, dog. I bet all those people in the Capitol need to go get some Willie Nelson Reserve. That's what they need to go do. Instead of running at our reserve, go running at Willie Nelson Reserve. But uh, Snoop continues... Uh, and, and the reason people are so cautious, well, Canadians are so cautious on the celebrities they let endorse is because just the effects of marijuana and, and their fear of how uh, celebrities can influence this choice to use marijuana. Canada is a very interesting place. And I'm sure Canada's looking at us in this last week like you want to talk. But uh, here's something that they actually said that kind of works in Snoop's favor. Snoop continues to support disadvantaged uh, youth via his football league in the U.S., which make him fit for the Canopy Growth Company, said Linton, which pledged $20 million 
uh, to community projects across Canada in April. So this would have been this would have been April 2018. This was a while ago, but uh, still, they pledged this 20 million, and they're saying you know Snoop does so much good for the company, so much good for where he's from. He's such a positive force. This is around the time he changed it to Snoop Lion. This might have influenced him to become Snoop Lion. All right, it might have been a business move because they was like, "Who Snoop Dogg the Crip?" And he's like, nah, I got to change it up, huh? I'm the reincarnated Bob Marley. Because Bob Marley would have, they, they would have let Bob Marley get this. You know who should get one? You know who should really get a weed company? Rihanna. Fenty weed. Ooh. Ooh. And listen, she can sell like light weed, though. It could be light, just like wine. Maybe uh, a, something real sweet kind of wine. Some weed that goes good with wine. Fenty wine, Fenty Savage wine. Because you see Jay-Z's, if you see Jay-Z's uh, little jar that he keep his weed in, bro, this finna be the new Crown Royal bag. This finna be, it's a beautiful jar that's coming in. It's a new Crown Royal bag. You gonna keep your change in there when you done with that thing. Like, you gonna double that thing. You may put some Vaseline in there. Use it as a Vaseline jar. It's a real beautiful package, man. I can really see you laying it out, you overlooking the balcony. You know, you, you pop your little, little top off, break down your stuff and your grind. It's a real beautiful thing, man. Maybe it looks like something you can take out at a fine dining event. Like, man, I'll get the monogram with a, a couple grams of the monogram with the Chardonnay. Like, it's really fancy. Super, super fancy. That's why he's chief uh, brand strategist, right? A lot better than what Rollo did. Rollo, you, you had your run, brother. Walk down and get them all next time. If you get to be a free man, you see who laid down the foundation for you. Walk down and get them all, player. It is. It works if you work it. It works if you work it, man. But uh, that that was my that was my time about that. That was my time about that. Um, I hope you enjoyed that conversation. That was a lot more of a hearty conversation than I thought I would have had there. I actually planned for that to be like 15 minutes, but here we are, man. Here we are. But I also felt like I wanted to, to discuss with you the disgust that I'm seeing with this capital, man. I, I didn't wanna I didn't wanna beat your head in about it because I know you go to different outlets and Sometimes it's cool to just go to an outlet that does its own thing, move at the beat of his own drum, but at the same time, I have a responsibility if I have a platform. And uh, and just to explain to you what happened. So recently last week, a group of Trump supporters, or let's say the word alleged Trump supporters, because according to the right, and this is why I think it's corny about the right, they're saying that it was really members of Antifa staged as Trump supporters. That there wasn't, or that it was sprinkled in there, or whatever it is. And it's like, bro, it's so it, it's so divisive right now that we literally have people, we, we literally have people rushing our capital, rushing the capital of our country, and we're arguing over who did it, if it's right or if it's left. It's so it's so much group thing, and it's such a thing of identity now. It ain't even about what group is one. It ain't about being right. It's just about being winning. That's what it is. It's tug of war, and it's about being on the side that's winning, not the side that's right. It's a disgusting thing. But anyway, these, these so-called Trump supporters, on the order of the president, 
went and rushed the steps of our Capitol. They ransacked the Congress. We had these, they had to have, these Congress people were literally running for their life, running for safety, man. This was, this was tyranny at its worst. The fact that those people got to just leave, bro, I'm so mad right now, dog. I'm so, how you, how do you put congressmen and senators, judges in harm's way? You, you know, I remember, I, I remember they gave another 10 years at a dude that got sentenced to life for throwing a chair at the judge. You could get double, you can get your time double for throwing a chair at the judge. What do you get for rushing the Capitol? So some lady got dropped. Some lady got dropped. I seen the video. The the dudes was breaking the glass. So they, they was holding up the video, and the guy was talking to the folks standing by the door. He's like, yo, it's a lot of people out there. I just seen some dudes get trampled. I don't want y'all to get hurt. I don't want y'all to get hurt. Trying like he a good person. He was talking to the folks standing at the door, and they just keep pushing, they just keep pushing, keep rushing, keep pushing, keep rushing, and they just smashing the windows. They smashing the windows. So there's a Secret Service guy. He writing a cut. I'm talking about he got a nice little spot. And you can all you see is the hammer. You don't even see him. All you see is the hammer. And they break the glass. I think she wouldn't go get through the glass. All you heard was one shot. Huh. He ain't even flinched. He ain't even come out of his little nook. He stayed in the nook the whole video. I don't even know what he looked like. I seen a white hand with a gun. He was in the, he was in his little nook. He was in his he was camping. It was like Call of Duty. He was camping. He was pop, pop, pop. One shot. One shot, he ain't even play with her. He ain't even play with her. I ain't saying I'm happy to see it. It's sad. It's a sad thing, but at the same time, you did try to overthrow our government, dog. And I remember, like, these were the same people who swear that they were the party for the police and for the military. That they're pro-military, they're pro-police. I don't know if you've seen the video of a crowd of people looking like they're rushing a small tunnel, and these SWAT team members was like 300, man. You know, like, like the Spartan 300s, they were just in there trying to hold up to the best they could. I seen one guy got his hand on a riot shield. What do you do when you the police that lost your riot shield? How do you how do you radio that in? You're like, uh, mission control, mission control, I have lost my riot shield. When did you lose your riot shield? Uh, I lost it in the riot. It was supposed to shield you from the riot. How'd you lose your riot shield? I think they had a gun. It's bulletproof. <laughs> like, what do you have? How do you call that in? It's not funny. Thank you to those brave men and women who protected our democracy. You're the winner. But to the person who lost that shield, don't you feel bad about that? I'm sure, like, I don't know how you lost your shield. But they use that shield to break in the the tear those windows up. Those windows must be made out of something pretty strong. Those windows must be made out of this let you know bulletproof don't mean nothing. It ain't foolproof. And them fools got in there. <laughs> them fools definitely got in there. But man, that ain't what I wanted to talk about. I wanted to ask you a question. Now, in what well, let's stay, it's the eleventh. In nine days. Nine days, it will be legal. It will be legal for Donald Trump to be charged for all of his crimes. He could possibly go to jail. 
He could possibly do jail time. Here's my question to you. Do you think it's worth it to lock Trump up after what we saw at the Capitol? Will you think that that would create more division? Is a free Trump, a Trump that's free, and we just let him dwindle out, let his powers just dwindle out when the next cool, interesting thing comes up, the next anti-government thing comes about? Is it cool just to let that dwindle out? Or should we lock him up? Because if you we lock him up, do you think his supporters would break him out of jail? Now, I think the people who we saw here, and, and I keep hearing a civil, I'm talking about a, a, a civil war between, look, let me see, they was talking about a, a this is, this is like a, a civil war, right? We don't want a civil war with the Republicans. As a Democrat, right? And I'm not going to say like I'm just so loyal to Democrat where if there was a, a Republican who I felt like was good for the job, I wouldn't vote for him. If he felt, if I felt like you was for America and you was really trying to get it done and you had a good run, like let's say I, I didn't vote for you the first year, but I like what you did the year before, I crossed party lines for you. Like I'm not loyal to one thing that steep. But the ones who are... They're usually really big gun enthusiasts, and they're big on hunting. We don't want no smoke with that. And the only way we'll be able to control them is to live in a, a state of uh, a state of U.S. Marshal. Do you think that it'd be better if we just what what would be the best way? That's my question. Leave in the comment section. What would be the best way for us to uh, attack this Trump situation? Because if you lock him up. Wouldn't that only make him that much more of a, well, not necessarily a martyr because he wouldn't be dead, but he would be something like that, right? That'll make him more of a hero. He'll get out like Pac. You remember when Pac got out of prison? He's going to get out like Pac. And and I, I just don't know what kind of influence he'll have. And here's the other thing, all right? After you think on that, I want you, you to digest that. Should we arrest Trump and are we... At the same time, we as America, we don't negotiate with terrorists. If you did a crime, you're going to do this time. We don't care what your influence is or who got a problem with it. America didn't have no problem killing Martin Luther King. No matter what the no matter what the backlash was, he had too much influence. He was talking and calling presidents on the bat line. He had the bat phone for the presidents. It was like this this black man got too much power. We finna drop him. If you can do that, you can at least give Obama, Obama. You could at least give Trump due processing. Fair due processing with him and all his billions of dollars and his Russian hackers. A, a fair trial. Give him a fair trial the same way we gave him a fair election. Because that's what the right side does. I mean, like right as in correct. But, uh... And mind you, this is a homicide investigation now. There is a there is an officer that's dead after all of this. He got hit in the head with a fire extinguisher. This is a homicide investigation. How do you... If there was a Black Lives Matter protest where a police officer got murdered, if you think any one of us would have left, 
If you think any one of us would have been able to walk out of there, you you as crazy as you as crazy as I don't know what. You crazier than Trump. If you think that would have happened, I'm trying to think of a political group that could have got away with this. You did it in the name of the sitting president, and now this officer is dead, but this was supposed to be the party for the police, right? How many police jumped party lines because they didn't like the Democratic, uh, the way the Democrats get behind this police brutality conversation? Well, are you still on that side now? Is that still what you rock with? Because it was talk saying that those were police officers in the crowd. There was talks of that. There, that's some talk. I'm not going to throw that on no police force. I'm not going to throw that on my police force. I'm not going to sit here and act like I'm, I'm just I'm super pro cop, but I do for sure believe in law and order. And I, I do believe in, in our justice system. I don't believe that we have, you know, killer cops just running such a monk. I don't know. I don't want to stand on no stuff. I don't want to stand on no side right now. I'm waiting for the facts just like everybody else. But uh, my main, my most important question, this is my last question I want to leave you with. Is the chip in the armor there? Because Trump's an idiot. Trump's only for Trump. Somewhere, maybe some 13-year-old white supremacist doesn't quite know it, but he's looking and saying, there's a need to rebel against what we call politically correct in America. There's a portion and a strong and a powerful and a willing to fight. What... How dangerous is this kid? How dangerous of a time are we living in? And is it important that we... Is this a product of being politically correct? I don't believe so. My our question is... What, what is the likelihood of this person? Because this is how Hitler got on, right? We kept calling... We, we kept calling uh, Donald Trump Hitler. But maybe that was never Donald Trump's intentions. Maybe... Magas is the Third Reich with no Hitler. What happens when that Hitler comes along? Comes along, somebody smart enough and cunning enough and manipulative enough, who really wants to be divisive and really wants to tear the fabric of this country apart. What do we do then? And are we truly ready for it? Like we wasn't ready for the pandemic. Are we truly ready as a country to combat tyranny from within? And the only way we can do that is being honest with one another, being honest with ourselves. I just leave you on that somber thought. And to the end, it's your boy Dapper Don Dez. I'm out.